everybody you know what you got to do you better undes your favorite pair and welcome back to my first kicks i gotta start saying the episode numbers in these episodes so this is episode 27 <laughs> it's funny to just be like you know what i'm gonna just start saying the episode numbers in the, in the intro but yeah welcome to episode 27 and this one is a good one uh, this week, I welcome Rich Two to the podcast. We really get to touch on all or a lot or most of the aspects of his life, from working at Nike to his art, and of course, his work at MTV slash Viacom, you know, Viacom Gang Gang, now Viacom CBS. But let's jump into this week for your boy, because I really struck out on an opportunity. Friday. The Travis Scott Sixes dropped, as I mentioned in last week's episode. And in the morning, I tried. And of course, struck out. I was going about my day. And come on, it was moving along. It's Friday. I'm like, yo, let's get, let's get this going. I'm trying to log off because, you know, podcasting doesn't pay the bills at the moment. Maybe soon. Maybe, maybe, maybe in the coming future. But right now, it doesn't. So, your boy working. And during the day... I just check up on the Sup FM podcast discords where you'll find me and a lot of other people just bullshitting around. <laughs> but we help each other get kicks. And somebody put up that the Travises were coming back out again on the same day because it was Travis's birthday. So I signed up and I finished my day at work because, you know, it's just long. It's just a long day. And I'm going to reiterate again. Podcasts don't pay the bills. Hopefully soon, maybe. Um, and I just forget that I even signed up for them. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to just chalk it up to just, you know, I probably missed that again. So then 10 o'clock rolls around. I pull up my emails on my phone and I fucking want a pair of Travis Scott sixes. But. Well, you know what else happened? is you only get a 30-minute window from upon receiving that email to buy those Travis Scott sixes. So when I click the email, it just it takes you to a page, and the page just says it's sold out. Man, that crushed the whole weekend for me. Because I could have just gotten... A pair of Travis Scott sixes. The, the like I said last week, the sneaker gods were freaking smiling down on me, man. They were like, "Yo, you know what? You've been striking out. We're gonna hook you up. You got everything right now, and we're gonna hook you up with another pair." But you just gotta check your email, and I was just like, "Man, I'm not gonna check my email." <laughs> so <laughs> even though I missed out and I miss out a lot, this disappointment was up there and there will you oh there will always be new ways for the for your love or your enjoyment or your hobby or something that you love to stab you in the back or find new ways to stab you in the back this one was a new one because i've never actually won and just 
forgot to check the email after putting in or, or like it's like it's like it's like the equivalent uh, equivalent of when you sign up for a raffle and then you get the notification for the raffle like you've won the raffle and then you just forget to go pick up the sneakers and you're like what oh, man I, I'm already just thinking about more ways of how this can stab, backstab me again. <laughs> but how about we jump into this week's episode because it won't backstab you or won't stab you in the back. I don't know why I'm saying backstab you. On to where you can find Rich. You can find him on all socials at Rich underscore two. That's T-U. Hit up his link tree. You can find that in the description of this podcast. Also, make sure to check out his podcast called First Generation Burden. We talk about it for a little bit on the podcast, so you'll get a snippet of what the episode, what his episodes are like. But it's a really good, insightful podcast where he interviews first generation immigrants. Uh, no, wait, first immigrants. It, well, he's it's children of immigrants so the first generation of americans in the family is what i want to say correctly yeah just check out the check out an episode he's got a, he's got over 60 episodes so make sure you check that out and you know where to find your boy i am at who is Haas on all social medias you can find the podcast at my first kicks pod hit up the link tree also in the this description and you know i need a producer i need a producer bad uh asap so if you got some podcasting production in your resume hit your boy up at the Gmail, myfirstkickspod at gmail.com. Don't forget to send your My First Kicks stories to My First Kicks podcast at, no, myfirstkickspod at gmail.com. On to this week's episode with my guest, Rich Two. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Hassan? How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good, man. We are both Viacom gang. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. Viacom CBS gang gang holding it down. Yeah, you are the second person I have that is Viacom gang. The first person I had on here uh, is Marco, who worked as a director for Nickelodeon. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. that's that's my homie. Um, there you go again. That Camp Coral SpongeBob. Squad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, and then, like, I told him how, like, uh, we talked about the story how I I saw him in the hallways because we we moved to a different floor in sixteen sixteen or fifteen fifteen. No, sixteen sixteen. Yeah, all right. right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been so long. I know. Well, sixteen sixteen is right across the street from fifteen fifteen. For anyone who doesn't know, in New York. <laughs> If you're in Times Square, 1515 is the where you see the the Lion King um, yeah. banner. Like, yeah. like literally, that's what the Viacom CBS building is, where the old TRL Studios used to be. And right mm-hmm. across the street is 1616, and that's kind of the the New York hub. Yeah, I'm fifth. I was talking about 1515, the big one, the big, the big Not building. Sure. Yeah. So there like we were, we I ran in, I saw him wearing some SBs and I was just like, yo, man, you in the sneakers? And that was it. We ended up becoming friends. So <laughs> that's <laughs> so how it goes. That's how it goes. And I mean, like, you know, when when we were in the office pre um, pandemic, it, MTV or Viacom, we were always like it was 
the the laxness of the dress code of where you can just dress up fly because you never know when you run into Nick Cannon peeing at the urinal. You'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's too funny because I've seen Nick Cannon. I don't know Nick Cannon full transparency as a person. I've seen him in the elevator. Also worked on his creative in some capacity through mm-hmm. Wild It Out and like kind of like you know that lens like with my actual role there. But then like when you see him in the space, you're like, oh, by the way, there's just Nick Cannon there, or like you know there's. <laughs> There is uh, there's sway, a, yeah, sway, yeah, of course. Like here's Pauly D just walking down the hall, stuff like that. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, it was it's it's crazy working there. And then when I worked at three forty five uh, with Comedy Central, when I'd I'd like ran into Pete Davidson one day, and I was just like, I was in the in the elevator, and you and I'm just like, I'm like, oh snap, Pete Davidson, and he like he like looked down, he goes, he looks up, and I guess he was so high, he just goes, what's up, man. And <laughs> That's ridiculous. I remember I saw Pete Davidson this year's years back before SNL. I saw him on a showcase mm-hmm. in the comedy cellar. Uh, and it was a bunch of no names or a bunch of comedians that I wasn't familiar with. Pete Davidson was like 18 at the time, mm-hmm. pre-SNL, of course. And I was like, wow, that kid's dope. And he was literally just a kid. And then, you know, all of a sudden he's just everywhere you know, hanging out with Ariana Grande. So it was wild. <laughs> yeah. And then buying uh, Nike mags, like they were like easy money. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but how about we talk about you? How about, uh, you know, you introduce yourself to my listeners, man. Absolutely. So uh, appreciate the space. Uh, hey, everyone. My name is Rich Too. And my actual day-to-day job is, uh, we just talked about Viacom CBS. I'm the vice president of digital design for the MTV Entertainment Group. That's nine brands. I don't got to go through all the brands, but MTV, <laughs> of course, um, VH1, Comedy Central's in there, uh, CMT logo, and a lot of other great channels and brands. Um, also, previously, I'm, uh, I'm a sneakerhead, of course, which is why we're talking here. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my history, I've also worked at Nike, um, spent a couple of years in Portland, Oregon, or should Beaverton, um, in their footwear uh, creative design department, actually, um, as a lead graphic designer there. And also, um, I I was a part of the NYC Nike Cultivator drop. I got to release my own pair of sneakers. Hey, let's um, go! Yeah, through that in 2019, <laughs> that was the uh, the Nike Air Max first gen reacts. Got to tell my own story with it. Did an on screen appearance at TRL, and also I was the show creator for the MTV YouTube show um, Sneaker Wars, featuring yeah. uh, featuring Conceited, of course. Yeah. Brittany Elena and um and you know one of the gods of sneakers, uh, Sean Weatherspoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a show creator on that, and you know I've been trying to uh, you know keep keep the love and and the work uh, intimately intertwined ever since. Yeah, man, that was it was amazing. It was, thank you for coming on. So like I was just like really hyped to have you on, and and we know why you're here. We're here for the the main question, the question of the episode. What's your first kicks? What's that first pair of sneakers you absolutely needed to have? Oh, that's what's up. So I got a great story for that. So the first pair of sneakers that I bought with my own money Mm -hmm. uh, was a pair of Air Force Ones. It was in seventh grade. I actually have the pair still in my parents' house in New Jersey. I live in Brooklyn now, Mm -hmm. but the box still is in New Jersey. And um, just FYI, I'm coming up on 40. So seventh grade was a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, And it was, I bought it at Livingston Mall at Uh Foot Action um, for anyone that's from New Jersey. Um, that knows foot action over there too. And I got, was, I'm strong in New Jersey. I got I got a lot of New Jersey fans. Oh, that's what's <laughs> up. That's what's up. So it was uh, it was black and white lows, uh, canvas uppers, 
white swoosh, white midsole, black outsole. Mm-hmm. It was a size 11 and a half. And I remember it was on the same, on the same shelf, there was a pair of uh, red and green ones. And I remember that I didn't get the red ones because my friend Terrell got the red ones. And I, want, I didn't get the green ones because I wasn't a Celtics fan because at the time I just associated green and white with the Celtics. Yeah, exactly. White was the safest bet. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I, and I rock those for uh, many a day. So, and uh, I you know I was sneakerhead early, so I kept the box and um, I kept it in my parents' basement along with a bunch of other boxes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, were you fortunate enough to have like a, a, a household that was just like embracing of you buying a ton of sneakers? Or were your parents <laughs> like, what are you doing with this, Rich? No, my parents were definitely like, what are you doing with this, Rich? <laughs> there were a lot of comparisons. I'm Filipino, so there mm-hmm. are comparisons to Imelda Marcos, right? The, the uh, you know, the shoe accumulation uh-huh. uh, aspect of it and the hoarding of it. I remember um, in high school and college, I, I worked at uh, Borders Bookstore. For, okay. you know, I was a cashier. I didn't really make any money at the mm-hmm. time. And I was just spending all my money on on scouring mom and pop shops that I would find through Nike Talk back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then I would also get SBs. And this is late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and in Jersey specifically, there are places that I would hit on the regular. Um, and I was an undergrad at Rutgers. So I'm just painting the picture here. I would hit up Sports Village and South Orange Avenue. It was right mm-hmm. next to a blockbuster video. It was a Korean-owned mom and pop shop that just had a bunch of overstock. I remember getting like a lot of random pairs, like kind of like slightly water damaged pairs, right? Yeah. I remember getting um, do, um, Zoom Air uh, Jason Kidd's shoes. Hey, let's go. Uh, yeah, let's go. Um, <laughs> but like in a size like too small, it's just like Aww. getting anything, right? Yeah. Um, and I'd also hit up three locations in Jersey that had SB accounts because only three spots had SB accounts at the time. There was subculture mm-hmm. um, in, I think, central Jersey, like Rahway ish. And there was also NJ Skate Shop by Saravale and um, I see Division East, Division East in Verona. Then they moved over to Bloomfield. And that's where I'd get most of my stuff. Like, um, let's see, I, I bought a pair of uh, Hulk dunks for my girlfriend at the time. Man. I was looking at like, like Gino Iannucci's from like mm-hmm. the second SB wave. I got my Futuras. That's the, that's the perforated lows, right? The perforated lows, yeah. yeah. Um, I got those there. What else did I get there? Uh, let's see. Were you waiting on lines for these uh, at this time? Or was it kind of just like a, a walk-in situation? It was a call or a walk-in situation. Also, if you knew Dave from Division East, you could just kind of like get the hookup on when you knew the drop would happen. Oh, that's yeah. that, the inside scoop right there. I didn't get none of that, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now it's a, t- a totally different game. I just... I do not like waiting online. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely impatient, and I, I would rather do things digitally now if possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's it's crazy how it was before. I mean, I don't like to dwell on how it was before, but I like <laughs> <laughs> because it just makes you bitter how it is now. Right. So right. I, I'm, I'm very more just like, you know, the good old days. I keep it as the good old days because, you know, like that that. Searching around the city was what made it fun to be like part of sneakers or like, you know, 
like I don't know where you were into in high school or what took over the like the craze in that time or because like for me it was definitely like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and and like you just spend a ton of money on Yu-Gi-Oh cards so you just keep trying to get whatever you can get um um but for for like when I got into sneakers it was definitely just like gotta collect them all at that point you know oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I, i've always been a collector i was a big comic book guy mm-hmm. i would always go to hobby shops with my dad he was big into sports cards baseball basketball pretty much anything then i would just collect boxes and boxes of comics and then that mentality that kind of collector hoarder mentality just pushed over to sneakers yeah <laughs> and became a little bit more expensive over time and and your sneaker collecting happened in high school like would you say it was like the more the most amount of just like let me get into let me get into this was in high school? Yeah, because all my friends were, you know, at the time oh. it was sneakers, b boying, mm-hmm. and uh, and I wasn't into racing culture because this was also again early two thousand, so like Fast and Furious, the franchise had just come out, mm-hmm. so all those things were just intimately intertwined among my friend group. You know, um, and then the sneakers, all the sneakers, like we, we would just be weekends at uh, Foot Action and Foot Locker, and mm-hmm. you know, all your boys like started getting jobs at the time. So I'd be like, "Yo, let me get, let me get the friend hookup." Yo, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even have any of that. You're so, you're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any friends that worked at Foot Locker, but I remember hearing, <laughs> I remember hearing people like, I, like people being like, "Yeah, my mom's waiting online for me. I just got to go there after school, and then I'll get the sneakers, whatever." Or like, like oh I. Gosh. Like, I, never, I never heard like, oh, yo, I, I got a friend that's working at, at Foot Locker. He got me. I just I just got to bring him 50 extra dollars. Something like that, you know? <laughs> yo, I remember it. The, it was so crazy. Like, we don't have to dwell on old shit if you don't want to. But. <laughs> no, yeah, this is what we're here for. We're here for the stories. No, that's what's up. Like, I remember I had a friend, you know, his name is Sean Pantaleone. Like, shout mm-hmm. out to him. He was one of my connects at the time. And he really introduced me to sneaker culture in, in those early, early days, because he was like, yo, go to Nike Talk. Nike Talk will give you the key to everything. Mm-hmm. He's like, and he was also like, um, would take me to, into trips in the city and give me the tour because it would be going to transit on Broadway, mm-hmm. going to, because transit was huge, humongous, really, right. truly. Um, and then going to A-Life, mm-hmm. going to Supreme. And also going to Prohibit. I don't know if anyone knows Prohibit, then uh, he was like super old now. Oh, yeah. I've never, I've never <laughs> been to Prohibit. Yeah, Prohibit was like, I guess, w- be analogous to like um, Concepts now or something. Ah. You know? Um, and this is all pre-Kith, of course, mm-hmm. and you know, pre, uh, pre all that stuff. So uh, I, I remember specifically when the first Supreme Dunks came out, um, the one that uh, with all uh, elephant print. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lowe's, right? Yeah, the Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I remember we drove out to Queens. It was a weeknight. And my boy, Sean, was like, yo, just uh, roll with me. I'm going to go get these sneakers. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And also, he was a size 9. I'm a size 11. I was like, great. Can I get a fucking pair? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, I couldn't. I was just, I was just hanging out. So uh-huh. We had to connect to Supreme, a homie, because he all skated. So he, and he was a skate rat. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to Queens. And he was just like, yo, wait in the car. It was like a drug deal, really. And he... He left for like five, 10 minutes. I was just, you know, watching the car while it was on. Mm -hmm. Then he came out with a box and it was like the Supreme Lowe's. I was like, oh, that's dope. You know, Um, so he kind of was that dude. And he always had like the 
the new SBs that were rolling through. And he's always like on that dunk wave early, early on. So, yo, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. And he kind of instilled that in me. And then over time, my collection kind of got similar ish. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it was more in that, like, I just want to sit it, set it and forget it type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I let it go for a while. But then when I got a job at Nike, it just kind of came back really hard. Yeah, yeah. It's the bug, man. It's the bug that's it's it's almost as bad as Corona. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Actually. Um, but I I'm I'm curious because like, you know, uh, skate culture is definitely more about skate and destroy. Like you gotta you gotta skate the sneakers that you buy, right? Whereas your friend, like did your friend instill that into you too? Or was he part of just like nah nah nah? Well, I got my skate shoes and I also got my my fly kicks. Oh, got to be fresh. Yeah. He was actually kind of a straight and uh, skate and destroy guy, you know. And he wasn't um, he wasn't a reseller. And I don't and I never really uh, got into that culture per mm-hmm. se. So I was used to just seeing things get worn and lived in, um, like you know, especially SBs and Jordans, which I think Jordan ones specifically, which I think look great when they're lived in. Yeah, I, I still have my first pair of Jordan one two thousand one Royals that I've gone everywhere i've gone cross country in those things and those are one of the first pairs i bought on ebay back in did you put it did you put it in the the story when you sold them v v v v v n d s been around the world in them once that's it yeah, exactly. no i still have them I oh okay them. i thought yeah, i thought you even sold them <laughs> oh, no, I, I, if anything like i'm i'll probably keep those forever uh just because of the story like i've even worn them in the jordan building what campus yeah uh-huh. like those have gone back home (laughs) yeah that's crazy the um the because like you know story storytelling is definitely like what brought me into the game and what's created this podcast as well that like what what's interesting is that you know you have a shoe that has its own story has its own timeline and life path that that it's followed and that, that you can share it with people and be like yo do you know where these have been you know so is is dope and uh, what are is there like when 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 you wore those in the Jordan building? What was it, what was that feeling that you got? Ooh, what was that feeling? I, it just felt like okay, these shoes have gone full circle, mm-hmm. that type of thing. I think the only more full circle experience would be if Michael Jordan was physically there, maybe. <laughs> 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 you know? Because uh, you know that's a possibility. Yeah, so, like I could, I would walk around buildings. I remember being in my building. It was Ken Griffey, mm-hmm. the Ken Griffey building. And then I remember in the lobby, Ken Griffey was there one day. I was like, "Oh, this is wild." Ken Griffey Jr. is just hanging out in the lobby of the building named after him, and he's just sitting here. Did he? Does he still have the the earring, the dangling earring when he was in there? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I didn't get that close of a look, but that'd be great if he did, right? Yeah, he, that'd be, be great if he had like the bat, like the like the trading card. It was like really up close. Yeah, he was just like this on the he's just exactly, like, like super upper deck from <laughs> Upper deck rookie. He's like, you want me to sign that for you? You'd be like, sign what? <laughs> Yourself. You <laughs> like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take a photo, boom. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. What what um I guess propelled you to go to to Portland and and and, and join the team? It was actually unexpected. They recruited me. Mm-hmm. Came out of nowhere. I I think what kind of put me on their radar was I had a really good relationship with Slam Magazine. Mm. So I did um, design. Ooh, let's talk for about Slam. Slam. Hell yeah. yeah. I love yeah, Slam. That's what's up. <laughs> so I worked for Slam for like seven years mm-hmm. freelance. 
where like during the day I'd work at agencies as a art director, creative director, whatever. Um, and then I would get two to three stories, two to four on four max, like a month where I would just design the stories. I did that for seven years. Mm-hmm. I also did two covers for them. I did a John Wall cover and a Kyrie Irving cover. Wow. Uh, they were both photographed by Atiba Jefferson, like really amazing um, photographer. Mm-hmm. So were they wearing their signature shoes in, or this is pre? Uh, pre-signature? Yeah. No, Kyrie was wearing the Kyrie ones. Actually, and it was a great cover. He was standing there and it said Kyrie in black and white letters. Um, he was wearing the Kyrie ones, black and red. And John Wall, I'm not sure what he was wearing necessarily. I also don't remember if it was when he was still with Reebok or if he had shifted to Adidas. So, mm. um, but yeah, uh, I, I got to work with Slam for a while and it was all like, you know, uh, sneaker culture, basketball culture, high energy youth culture. And also Double XL because they, they were in the same house, uh-huh. same publisher. So getting a, a lot of exposure in that world put Nike in my circle. And they reached out one day. They were like, yo, well, they didn't say it, but they were like, that would hey, be great. They started, <laughs> <I know. laughs> yo, my man, my yeah, man, you want to come through, my man? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> Uh, so, so they hit me up one day through a yeah. recruiter, a third-party recruiter, uh, in email, super vague. Mm-hmm. And it, the the headline was like uh, Nike role, Nike job question mark. And then the the copy inside said like, oh, "Are would you be interested in a role at Nike? Um, reply and let me know." And I was like, uh, "Yes." And I remember because I was in a car, I was in a cab, and I just incorporated because I was working the agency, and I needed there was something I needed to do as mm-hmm. a as a vendor, quote unquote, of that agency. Um, and then I started on that process and, uh, it was like one of those three or four month things where I was in New York and just kind of interviewing at the Nike building at the time, met with some people like Zach Augustine, who's mm-hmm. like head of the Nike art department still there and he's dope. Um, and also Mark Feedy, who heads the creative for the basketball division. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they, they, Flew me out to Portland, did that whole thing, and then what is what was it like that that first visit where like you like step you you end up there and you see the the Nike gates or whatever I don't know you gotta I don't know I've never I, been, I gotta so, paint the picture yeah, right? yeah, yeah. for sure well uh, let's say for the first interview that I had in New York mm-hmm. I remember just cr- trying to get my head psyched for because it, it was something I wanted I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I wanted to move but it was a role that I knew I wanted. And I wasn't sure whether at the time it wasn't about moving to Oregon. It was like, just do you want to work at Nike? So yeah. to pre- pre- <clears throat> excuse me, to prepare for that, I bought new sneakers. Mm-hmm. I bought uh Jordan 13's He Got Game colorway. Okay. Um from 2013, mm-hmm. that release. So I bought those fresh, wore those to an interview, got that interview as a, and then got the ticket to fly to Oregon to have a a, a panel interview. Mm-hmm. So um, prep for that. And then Nike campus is huge. So I remember we stayed at a, at a hotel in the Pearls, like downtown Portland, if anyone knows um, Oregon at all. Yeah. And then uh, took a, got a car. I was like, so plush, like everything's mm-hmm. so nice. Right. Uh, and they, and they, everything's expensed, everything's paid. Uh, so they're, they're, they're showing you like the best of what Portland has to offer, especially like during the spring and summer when it's like the most beautiful and also, weed was just like recreationally legalized. It was like <laughs> yeah. wild times. Uh, and then I get to campus, and and uh, campus is massive. And mm-hmm. then I see like all the buildings you're seeing 
Um, like actually, everything from like even the parking deck is like legendary. Yeah, <laughs> right? because there's so much content around it. But uh, there's you know, see Tiger Woods. You see like that's a building. You mm-hmm. see like Ken Griffey, the building. Um, you see um, uh, two massive football fields. Uh, you know, you also see like all the all the gyms. They have like three gyms on mm-hmm. campus. It's, it's wild. Um, and then for my my group interview, um, I, I met with three leaders. Um, and then showed my entire portfolio. It was like th- put together like a 70-page PDF presentation wow. of, my, of all my work mm-hmm. that included like um, youth culture work, um, design work, um, apparel work, because I'd also done stuff in the apparel spaces, like worked with Converse previous stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, showed them all that. And um, it, it, they, they gave me an offer and then they paid for me and my fiance to move to Oregon. Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> That is crazy. Yeah. Did you? So I, the, for some reason, I don't know if you remember, because I also went to a kind of art school. I don't know. I okay. I, uh, I graduated with a degree in print. So <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah. Well, from where? Where'd you go? I went to City Tech. So that uh, That's what's up. it was, uh, you know, stay, stay, stay in the city type of I don't know. It was just basically high school plus to me. But um, <laughs> so we got an Emmy for it. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but so like I don't know if you remember like whenever you'd pull out your portfolio back in the day, but it used to be like the big black folders, and then you just be like, or like you get the one that's like a binder or something like that. You fl- you yeah. you like flip through it. Was it was did you pull that out? <laughs> oh no, it was actually like a like a large screen TV. Oh snap. Yeah, so I showed them a keynote presentation, uh-huh. and it was like all a mix of like static visuals and also in situ videos. It's basically like the paginated version of what my website is. Yeah, and then I just talked them through anecdotally of like uh, seven to ten case studies, and it was all just eye candy. It was like really just me giving a TED talk in front of three. <laughs> As you see, I just dated myself really bad now, and now I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> showing oh, up to interviews it. with <laughs> portfolio pages. Like, hey. <laughs> well, but some people still do. I mean, I haven't in a while, but then mm-hmm. that again, I haven't really interviewed in a while. Yeah, I mean, your resume speaks for itself. I don't think <laughs> at this point you're just like, all right, you know, fielding it, fielding it in, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just let me know. Yeah. If you want to. <laughs> Do a thing or not do a thing. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, speaking of what your resume speaks for yourself, like you're you've done a lot. And like, I would love to talk about every single thing. But what to me, I think, like, I just want to know, like, what's your inspiration for your art? Because like recently you've been messing with NFTs and yes. and uh, uh, what I really love and I wanted to call it because I actually drank it was the beer can that you did for. Oh, what's the name of for the collective arts? Yes. Collective arts. I actually drank that. I didn't know that you. You you designed it and it was a really good beer. So like I was just like <laughs> I was just like this is really dope. Like I, I like kind of comes full circle because like I didn't know that you designed this and then I find out that you de- you designed it. Now I have you on the podcast to talk about you know what. But what is what? Where does your inspiration for your art come from though? Uh, no, for sure that's a great question. The inspiration for the art, well, honestly, just challenging myself for. There's the the practical aspect of it of wanting to keep my instrument really sharp, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so wanting to um, have a a wide variety of of a visual toolkit, so I can I can just basically it's my energy is like really illustrative, right? And also kind of loud and a bit in your face. 
um, but also at the same time, um, it it can also live as commercial art. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of like what my vibe is. Mm-hmm. And if anyone doesn't know uh, the artwork or the the hand that Hassan's referencing, to I actually literally have it here. So uh, I know no one's looking at this, but it's just like an <laughs> yeah. IPA with like yeah. a screaming mouth on it with like five tongues and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so uh, that's a lot of my work where I just really want to make as much of a visual impact as possible. And, um, and, and I'm more inspired by the uh, kind of what I see and like the challenge of wanting to, to keep just doing work that, is, that feels like it's part of my greater, bigger like life thesis, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. No, it um, does. A lot, yeah, a lot of it's about like really empowering yourself and yeah. also empowering the individual. Um, and then for the NFTs too, even that's the desire for me to want to be uh, up to date or feel like a newbie in a space. Mm-hmm. You know, what I like about NFTs is that it's so new, like that I remember walking through the process, it was like a month ago. Mm-hmm. I remember walking through the process of like minting NFTs because I'm on foundation, um, the the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And the my homie, his name's Ahmed Clank, and he's an amazing photographer. Uh, he he walked me through how to do it. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, dude, like you're, you're so good. Like, how'd you know, how do you, you've been in this for a minute? He's like, nah, it's like, I'm a week in. And like, that's how new it is. Yeah. Where people that have been in for a week were like experts a week later. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Cause like, I mean, I, I like I've done a try. I've tried to do some research on it and, and try to see like, you know, what's the actual, um, I want to say potential of NFTs because I feel like it, it covers the artists and like, that's where we need to be at at this point. Like when you see the way, I don't know if you've recently seen, there's a, there's a, a documentary on um, the Goldell, Goldel, Goldel, something, the, the, the art gallery that sold a ton of, of fakes. Um, oh, yeah, check it out. It's on Netflix. I, th- I forgot the name of it. Uh, so sorry. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, there is like it, it's interesting because like the artists, like if you look, I've worked at a gallery and like the, it, it's like I seen the back end where like this guy is selling somebody else's art for hundreds of thousands of dollars. But that artist doesn't get a cut of it. And right. and it's just basically you're just exchanging hands for money. And it's so it's so soulless, but yet people but people are looking at art for the soul that's within it. You know what I mean? Like right. Yeah, that's true. The the NFT, the big sell for artists in the NFT market is the um the royalty, mm-hmm. <laughs> the royalty aspect of it. So the secondary market um does allow for um for like compensation again to the original artist. I'm probably not expressing it properly, mm-hmm. but uh, and also the authentication, the verification uh, within the blockchain, all that stuff. I do think the the other interesting component for me is also the utility aspect mm-hmm. down the line of like how to use NFTs for like identity identity verification, and also even for something like um like season tickets for events. Like you can yeah. just have like a like a certain fixed amount of NFTs that can change hands. All we have to do is get those transactional gas prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, efficient blockchain. 
Yeah, I think I think it's there's definitely a lot of potential for it. And I think like, you know, not to turn this into NFT talk with Rich and Hassan, but (laughs) (laughs) but I think like, you know, the way that the world is going, like a lot of us are staying at home and and uh, we're very visual. We want we want a ton of stuff that's in front of us as much as possible. Right. So uh, NFTs create that where we don't have to be some sort of rich mogul and and in order to get some art on the wall, like we can turn maybe we can buy like an led or lcd screen and move the nft onto that and then you'll have just like a piece of art on the wall so we'll see what we'll see what what turns into that but i wanted i might as well pivot this into sneakers you know like and your art um you know you created the why did i forget the silhouette what was the silhouette for your shoe oh it was the air max air react yeah yeah air max reacts 270. 270. 270 reacts. Yeah, two, it's, it's a really long name. It's, <laughs> it's a, confusing. Yeah. Um, it's the first gen Air Max 270 reacts. Right. What was that process like? How did you get, how did you end up being one of the people that got to, to create their own shoe? Sure. Yeah, a good friend of mine, um, Israel, no, Isaiah. Oh man, he's gonna. You better cut this fuck. <laughs> no, Isaiah. Um, my good. I just I got a text from my friend Israel just earlier. Um, my good friend Isaiah Steinfeld, mm-hmm. also former Nike head. He he hit me up, um, and said that there was there was this cultivator program that was gonna that was looking to utilize or, I don't know what the what the terminology was, but um, uh, create some sort of program using Nike ID. Well, before it was called Nike by You at the mm-hmm. time, in order to do these specific drops. So he just kind of gave me like a low key, like here, by the way, try out for this thing, and I, I did. And um, it was by the time I'd already left Nike, so I didn't have like a direct relationship with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were looking to tell stories through footwear, uh, and then I told them like my story as a first gen immigrant because I have a mm-hmm. podcast called First Gen Burden which uh, focuses on immigrants in the creative community. I've been doing that since like 2016. Started at Nike when I was there. That's dope, uh, man. That's dope. I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't know. So I have to check it out because I am also <laughs> a first, first gen immigrant as oh, well. Oh, yeah. That's what's up. We got to do a podcast collab. I'm, yeah. Last year, I did like 30 episodes. I was uh-huh. so tired. Yeah. <laughs> you can so imagine how I feel sometimes. <laughs> I bet. No, I bet. Like the content game is rough. And I've been trying to like, like settle my my energy to get ready for a season six now i think for this year is um so I'll probably do it in the summer we gotta talk yeah about that. man that's dope because like uh yeah i mean i was recently on a podcast about well it's 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 definitely an immigrant based podcast but it's called return to jewels um you mm-hmm. check it out but like the Shout out and listen to my episode. It's dope. Uh, but, but um, yeah, we just talk about like, you know, what is it like being a first gen immigrant? I and I'm in a, in a situation where it's just me and my mom. Like there's like the rest of our family is in Brazil. And so gotcha. like it's a weird situation where you have to like you are the two people that rely on each other the most. So it's kind of like, OK, how do how do you create success out of this? You know, and so it's just. I would like to expand on it more, but but back to you. Back no, to you. for sure. If anything, I would love to have uh, Emmy Award winning uh, podcast. <laughs> you're gonna start pulling. It. You're gonna yeah, start exactly. pulling that out. <laughs> Yo, bro. If anything, you can start pulling it out. Um, I mean, we'll see. Gotta, we'll see. Gotta, uh, do the hardware drop first. You know? yeah. I got like the the most I got for the podcast was like a Webby honoree, and I say that all the time. <laughs> Yo, that's dope. I want a Webby. Hook it up. Yeah. There you go. Um, so 
yeah, so I I, I kind of low-key pitched them through an mm-hmm. entry forum that they had. Then I was selected and chosen. And it was the same class as, I don't know if you know, Liz B. Croft. She's a mental health professional. And also she released a very, po- she had a very popular drop mm-hmm. as well, Liz. And um, uh, let's see, uh, there was a, there was a few others. Like there was a really amazing dancer um, who uh, Serena Williams like wore her mm-hmm. hair, you know, like uh, it got a lot of shine that first drop. And I think that ecosystem has since shifted or became one of those things where we're going to do this dope thing and then we're going to take the learnings and they're going to reabsorb it back into the organization, mm-hmm. you know, because um, they haven't quite done it like that since. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're rethinking the way that they I mean, I feel like maybe they're doing it, but more spread out or more more focused, like name focus, because I feel like we do we currently we do get these collabs and they do come out of nowhere. Like we just recently this uh, by the time of this recording. They announced on Sneakers app that Alea, 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 Alea. Alea. yeah, May, May, yeah, Uh, Yeah. the her Jordan one, and and it's like I'm like even though I'm not, I don't know. To be honest, I may feel like I'm out of the loop with this, but I did not know who she was until she dropped that that on until she showed up on Sneakers. Oh, I, yeah, I've I've heard of her because you know she's kind of the algorithm feeds me her work. I think she's dope. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I actually, the colorway, like that uh, green and blue and also like that really high top with that thin collar, it looks yeah. pretty comfortable to wear. I don't know if it'll be accessible for a size 11 men's, but also I want to <laughs> make sure that, you know, the the ladies get their pairs because I think that there's a, a desire to to make sure that um, the men don't hog up all the pairs. I mean, is it the men or is it the resellers? Find out next week. On- <laughs> Question: like, Are most resellers men? Maybe that's too hot of a topic. I don't think it's too hot of a topic, but uh, I would say ninety percent of resellers are men. But I, I actually, uh, not to expose somebody, but I, I work with somebody who says she's a reseller, but I don't think she listens to this podcast, and I will not drop her name. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but uh, she was like. She was less like, oh, yeah, me and uh, the, the Toro Fives dropped recently and uh-huh. we were talking about it in, a, in one of our meetings. And then she was just like, oh, yeah, you know, me and my boyfriend, we resell sneakers. And I kind of we kind of, me and my me and the other guys in the in the meeting, we kind of just went silent after that. And then we were just like, all right, next. All right. What we're going to do, we're going to talk about the meeting. We're going to talk <laughs> about what to do. <laughs> but I mean, well, shout yeah. out to that. If anything, like uh, I would love to see more female resellers in the game, too. That'd be dope. I just think it's just a, it's definitely a hard nose uh, industry when it especially with that, because like it's I mean, I've and and I've gone on record saying this. I do not like resellers. I've been I've been snubbed by resellers often to the point that I am jaded by all resellers because I mean when you're standing on I mean I don't know if you've experienced this but when you're standing on a line and the dude comes up to you and he asks you what's your size and you go oh I'm a size 13 and then the guy looks at you and says I don't know that's gonna happen bro and I'm just like wow I'm like sixth in line I've waited here I've been here since four (laughs) o'clock in the morning what are you talking about so, oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's yeah. why I don't like resellers. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I haven't really had that experience, but that's because they just don't have the patience to wait in line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the 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 thing with resellers and and yes, it's a male I will like I'll always say it, it's a male dominated sport. Sneakers are a male dominated sport currently. Um and hopefully, you know, with the Amon Amon Mier, Amon Meniers, Amon Maniers. 
I don't know how to say it. But with that, with those threes coming out, uh, with more female designers getting, you know, praise and looked at and, and getting being able to drop their own sneakers for for women as well. Um, I think, you know, we are going to get to this point that more women are going to be wanting to jump into the game. And, Absolutely. And, yeah. Actually, and I, I have to shout out. Uh, I have to shout out my homegirl, uh, uh, Sophia Chang, um, who who was one of the co-founders of Common Ace. Mm. which is uh, for uh, uh, female uh, sneaker collectors and female sneaker, uh, female sneaker communities. So you know, she's one of those pioneers in the space. So. Yeah, check her out. Uh, I have also had Kixie Jixie on. Who oh, that's has, cool. Yeah, she's had, she has like 8,000 pairs of sneakers. Um, so. Have you had Yasmina, Yasmina Dai on, on here yet? No, not yet. She's big on Clubhouse too. She was one of the one of the creators of um, the sneaker battle format mm-hmm. that a uh, part of the walk with us group. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. Um, I, we follow each other. I think maybe I should follow her, but the, that her whole, I, it, her story is crazy. Cause her whole family's into sneaker reselling. So Yo. yeah. But Yo. She, yeah. <laughs> so I would love to hear, I just literally have her whole family on one day. <laughs> 1000%. If anything, that, that's keep the camera on for that one, because she's got, <laughs> pairs pairs for days and it's all stuff that like you'd be like you'd be like you didn't even know existed she'll be like oh but yeah. you don't know about these and then you'll be like no i really don't know about those because they came out in 2006 and nobody was buying them <laughs> for real it'll be stuff where i'm like it's beyond even like album cuts and b-sides mm-hmm. it's like stuff that's like so specific where and i thought i was a sneakerhead. i was like whoa i didn't even know that that existed or like the what the significance or importance of those things were and shit from like when when i was young too you know yeah exactly how how do you have this stuff (laughs) and she's like i think she's like 19 or 18 or something like that yeah i think she's an undergrad college yeah 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 so i mean shout out to her hopefully i'll have her on one day we'll see shout out to yaz yeah shout out to yaz um i've i mean i'm very curious about this because i i recently had uh, Luke Trevisi, who's also Asian American, um, and I'm I've when growing up in the game, I felt like I was only surrounded about it, around by Asian Americans who were into and Nike SBs. Um, so I, I wanted to know, like, wh- what's your? I mean, you know, we currently living in this crazy time, and you know, right, I, right. I, I feel like we need to have more of a conversation so that people are understanding that we're all the same. You know what I mean? Like, we can't just be like, hey, let me just punch somebody or, you know, create, inflict acts of hate on somebody for, you know, their ethnicity and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm a big for proponent sure. about that. I, I, I think like, you know, I've, I've ha- always had respect for everybody and I, but I, what I wanted to know is just like, how did it come to the point where all my friends were Asian at one point and because I collected SBs. So, can you explain? <laughs> I, what year? Like, give me a year. Give me a timestamp. Uh, 2000... I want to say like 2008 to 2010. I remember going to like Dunk Exchange and it was literally only just like me. And uh, <laughs> like, I don't know if you know, uh, 20, I think 23 Penny. Um, mm. he, was a, he was a reseller. He's my friend's friend. And I'm just mm. like, I remember just like never seeing a picture of him. And then I finally like meet up at Basketball City for uh, Sneaker Con. And, okay. and and I'm just like, wow, there's a lot of Asian guys here, right? <laughs> so, so, totally. Yeah. What is that? I'm trying to think of what the connection really is, because I think about this a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, the connection to 
not just Asian culture and sneakers, but like Asian specifically in sneakers. Mm-hmm. I think, and on, this is a two-way conversation, so let me know if you think I'm off. But <laughs> I, I feel that it's the hip-hop connection because mm-hmm. like um, Asians in hip-hop, you know, there's there's a deep-rooted connection there. And it goes back to like, you know, dancing, b-boying, right. all that stuff. Um, and also in Asia specifically, like, in China and also the Philippines, really, uh, they love basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, like really, truly love the sport. So there's a free flow of not just commerce, but ideas and also occasionally players, right? Yeah. Um, specifically with China and even in the Philippines. Um, I know that uh, like, there's the Agamot story that they tell through the LeBrons. So for the LeBron 14s, they, and Agamot um, means uh, brother, I want to say. Fuck, I'm going to get, like, my Filipino card. <laughs> um, but they've told that story. Uh, let's see. Fa- it means, uh, let's see. Uh, tradition. <laughs> tradition? Oh, oh, Terrible. Yeah. Um, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> looking it up right now. You're, you're seeing the, the sausage get made right now. <laughs> Oh, it's a word for amulet or charm. Okay, oh, great. Okay. So completely off. <laughs> so anyway, so they've 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 told that um, the Agamot or charm story through mm-hmm. the LeBrons. They did it for the 14s. They also did it for like the witnesses too, and they've mm-hmm. done it um, at least three or four times. So there's there's been a really deep connection there. I think the SB piece is like a bit of the hype piece because I mean even even um, like you know Bape uh, Nigo yeah like and like even Pharrell you know like there is there is a deep connection to hype culture streetwear culture <laughs> yeah i mean i get it the loosest of connections <laughs> yeah the loosest of connections i just think like you know i i was um i was you know a young lass strolling through nikesb.org every day for the, all of my life and uh and that, and it was just like we we when I would meet up with with people, the majority of them were of Asian. I was gonna say persuasion, but I don't. That sounded so weird, so I stopped myself. <laughs> you just, if you just flowed with it instead of confident, I mean, I would have been like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's like a '90s R and B group, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so like I. I I I was I just thought thought about it a little bit more because like you know there's not much I I mean I I identify myself as mostly Brazilian even though I'm half and half Bangladesh so like I don't really have many Brazilian sneakerheads that I can like turn to you know what I mean so once once I started meeting up and and meeting with people I was just like wow this is like mostly Asian kids you know like SBs is it, for 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 some reason it was just like mostly just SBs. But when you look at like Jordans and stuff like that during that time, it it, it was mostly just black kids that would jump onto that. But I, you know, I feel like that's more of definitely a common thread that you can make. And what I what I always found was crazy because like, and I'm just putting this this together right now is that well, the first time I ever seen like like legit reselling, like somebody was like, hey. I caught yeah. like seven pairs. It was an Asian, Asian kid. kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first, the first reseller that I knew, like really, really knew, was also an Asian kid. Like the first few. Yeah. And they were like they were into racing and reselling. 
Racing and reselling. Let me get yeah. my NOS, man. Give me. Exactly. I gotta. I gotta sell. I gotta sell three pairs of uncles to get my NOS can. <laughs> <laughs> For real, it was, yeah. it was exactly that. I remember the first time I experienced like, oh, I just got burned on a resale. It was mm-hmm. specifically for those um, Jason kids back in the day. This mm-hmm. is like oh one oh two, um, and it was uh, it was an OG pair. It was like size nine and a half. And then I bought them for seventy dollars, mm-hmm. right? And then I flipped them to my homie, who will whose name will not be said. And then uh, he was like, "Yo, I saw those that you got those things. Um, so you got those uh, Jason kids. Like, let me get those. I'll give you one hundred ten. He gave me one hundred ten dollars. So I made like 30, 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then he flipped them on eBay. Saw so I posted on eBay for three ten immediately. And then he got paid on it. I was like, "Oh, I just got uh, flipped on." Yo, what was the feeling of what was the feeling of betrayal right there? It was more just like, oh, uh, why didn't you tell me? Uh-huh. <laughs> why didn't you tell me that was the purpose? Because then I was giving them to you to wear because I was trying to be more like, you know, also I was trying to get paid, but then I didn't connect the dots of like, oh, that's also how you resell shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so mean. <laughs> that's so mean. I mean, I've never gotten through that. I remember I remember, I bought a pair of Brian Andersons, right? And I, and I was... I, I bought them size 13 and I was rocking them. Right. And I was just like, okay, this is too small. Like they were just squeezing my feet. And I, and I, I remember meeting up with this kid to, to sell them to him, like straight up in front of his face and just meeting up with him. And I, 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 I was just like feeling so bad to sell it to him, but he's just like, yo man, I really wanted these. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll give you a steal. I sold them for like one twenty or something like that. Nothing crazy. Oh. But yeah, and like, and I and I just remember being like, you know what, man, I should have just lost weight, and maybe my feet would have got skinny. But <laughs> but but but, but I, I'm hoping that 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 kid did not sell. I hope I'm hoping that that kid did not sell them because I will be very upset. <laughs> you, you sold them to him used, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wearing. I like. I I bought them. I forgot where I bought them. Um, I know they weren't, they weren't new. I, this is, this is college Hassan is, um, broke Hassan. It's, I, I, <laughs> I was, and these I, were like the camo. Yeah. The camo with the orange check. Yeah, man. Gotcha. I need another pair of those Classics. bad. Uh, shout out to my <laughs> listeners. If you give me a size 13, no, no, no. Size 14. I don't even think they make a size four. I'm not even going to try Never mind. Retract, <laughs> retract, <laughs> retract. Yo, the glue on those SBs though—they do not age well mm-hmm. at all. It's hard to even rock those anymore. It's, you have to really take care of those. Yeah, I have a pair of irons from 2004, and mm-hmm. I wore them to the Viacom offices on, for my birthday. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna be fly. And then I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking. I, ju- I I go through the turnstiles, and I look Ooh. down, and I see. Whole like holes forming on the sides of it. Oh, because, yes. <laughs> and that's a, that's so a really old. soft like suede upper too. Yeah. So like those are real comfy. Super comfy. Super comfy that they started the glue was just not not there anymore at that point. So <laughs> have you ever have a pair crumble on you? Yeah, for sure. Actually, I learned a uh, shout out to my boy John Manalo, the soul swapper on mm-hmm. YouTube. I learned from I kind of like looked at a lot of his videos. I should cast him on Sneaker Wars too, Yo. which is funny. Uh, so I his I, videos I, are crazy because y- yes I don't know I, I don't know why you would put 
a supreme dunk in the in the middle of the ocean or whatever where it was just covered in <laughs> mud or something what was it <laughs> no that the one video that he did where he did like a cement jordan three like he found it like right by the water mm-hmm. right by the ocean it was like all like covered in mud i think it was one of the early ones where it was just like let me just go od on getting these things like really crusty yeah and it's funny you Partying with John, I, I love John because he's really funny mm-hmm. and also he's super smart. Uh, but then uh, he revealed some of his se- secrets to me, like when we were like partying uh, post Secret Wars. And I, I got to say, the guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so some sneakers that have crumbled on me. Let's see. I've crumb- I've had sneaker crumbles by virtue of old glue, mm-hmm. so separation, mm-hmm. midsole separation, or even just uh, midsole crumbling because of like the polyurethane outsole. Yeah. So I've had... Let's see. I, I fixed a pair of Air Terra Certigs that had splitting. Um, that was from 2002. Fixed those. Actually, haven't had midsole crumble, but um, the glue did come undone for those. Also, a pair of um, patent leather from 2001 Dunks. Uh, uh, oh, they were like a like a general release. Uh, mm-hmm. Like those, like glue split on those. I mean, shout out to that. That era of 2001 to 2007 of just GR dunks that were just in, yeah. in journeys. You could yeah. just, and they'd be like, yo, these are crazy. I know. Yo, for real. Actually, journeys used to like have like the crazy shit, but that's uh-huh. kind of when the rails fell off. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rails. Because then it was like dunk bubble. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like I, everything. I, I'd actually spent time um, on a pair of air rifts. From mm-hmm. 1999, wow! Um, like uh, fixing the glue or do, uh, putting the glue back on those, and like that upper is all uh, it's all fabric. So mm-hmm. that was like really just a testament to <laughs> like learning um, and also duct tape. So yeah, duct tape, duct tape. <laughs> Shout out to duct tape. Always comes in the clutch. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, I mean, since you mentioned the sneaker battles, what what was your inspiration to create that show? And and you know. How did, how did you get that opportunity to create that show too? That's a great question. I was I had recently shifted roles over Viacom CBS from their vice president of brand design for MTV to a VP in the digital team um, overseeing like different content types, short form content from, from a branding space. But then you'd have access to a lot of the writers' rooms and also the creation rooms for short form content. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm used to being in, in kind of various levels of roles and like on set, off set, you know, like pitching kind of whatever, because, you know, you, you pitch all these crazy marketing asks like for, you know, uh, for like movie and TV awards or for mm-hmm. video music awards and also anything in between. So I'm just kind of used to being in those rooms. And then um, I was in a writer's room and then I threw out the idea of like, wouldn't it be great um, if we tried uh, combining um, a cooking show competition format, which we're used to seeing, which is like, you know, Top Chef, Master Chef, Iron Chef, or whatever, mm-hmm. right, in the kitchen. Um, combining that with um, with sneaker customization. So uh, they were looking to try to bring a sneaker format um, to the table um, because, you know, sneaker shopping and yeah. like, all, like all this stuff, like there's a lot of content to be mined, right? Um, so they wanted a fresh way in. And then I was like, yo, what if we took uh, cooking format competition with uh, with a sneaker customization because I knew the space. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of uh, collaborated on it. Uh, got um, Corey Midgarden was executive producer on it. He helped really assemble the knowledge of how to get it done. Then we brought in a showrunner, Jerome Milligan um, from Astronomy Club. 
And then um, I produced on it as well and was a part of the casting and also helped design the look and feel of the show from like beginning to end. So I really saw the journey of it um, as a show creator. And uh, it, was, it was great. We got six, six episodes in and mm-hmm. um, I was able to bring kind of like my whole self to the table from a look and feel, casting perspective, really fought for Sean Witherspoon to be cast as well. He was mm-hmm. like a major get. Um, and once, once he came in, um, and and conceded because conceded was a no sneakerhead, but mm-hmm. I don't know if conceded had had done sneaker specific content for MTV just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Brittany Elena, he was, was. I think he was doing that food show though, right? Wasn't it? Isn't he oh, on that? Wasn't he on that food show? Food show. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, conf- I'm confusing him with uh, Timmy D. Delegato and the other guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Tim and Darren do Basic the Bougie. Yeah, Basic the Bougie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. My Which bad, is my an bad. easier show to put together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not as complex as Seeker Wars, but shout out to that team because it's a dope show too. Yeah. Um, and then I think after that, really, it, <laughs> Conceited started doing a lot more Seeker content, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, you know, he, he's really become an expert in the space and, and Brittany's, you know, she's always showing out and doing her thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was kind of dope. Got some. Got Vic Almighty. I was a big fan of Vic Almighty's. Mm-hmm. So got him cast. John Manalo, of course. Um, Sneaker Mechanic. Ben Johnson. Um, who else? Suheel Sheik. Uh, Feel Good Threads. Mm-hmm. You know, Caddy Customs. Um, a lot of amazing uh, peeps. So um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can do a few more. Yo, hell yeah. You know, that. I mean, it's so dope. But, you know, uh, Sneaker Customizing... I don't know. This is such a touchy sob subject. Yeah. I was going to say subject, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a touchy it's a lot of subject. <laughs> it's a touchy subject because like now we're in this craze where, you know, uh we got Warren Lotus, we got um, little Nas X. A little <laughs> I'm not I was not going to go that route. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we got Chef Hayul, we got Mosh, we got um Right. A lot of these sneaker customizers are starting to come out and actually put out their own shoe. Um, so it's interesting, you know, you took this battle, you took a, you took a, basically a rap battle, you know, <laughs> of like of, of sneakers and you made it, a, you made it where a freestyle, it's like, you're just like, okay, put it together. You know what I mean? You only got, you only got this amount of time. Well, let me see what you can do. Right. And now these, these designers are customized. I legit don't know what to call them, but they're putting out sneakers now, and now they're getting sued by Nike. Um, right. What, what is actually, because you've been in inside, you've been on the outside, and you've, you've seen th- basically a 360 view of it, of like, what, is sure. your, what are your thoughts of like, you know, now you got like Cool Kai just like taking a Jordan, to, Jordan shoe and putting the Thunderbolt on it and making <clears throat> a million dollars off of it, you know? So like, is it is this something honorable by doing it that way? Or do you think, you know, there are other people who take a different route where they just make a whole new shoe. Which do you think is more, I guess, more, more the way that it should be done? <clears throat> Loaded question. I, I think the Warren Lotus, and I got to, you know, preface by, I don't know Warren Lotus as a mm-hmm. person at all, right? And also I don't know Lil Nas X as a person at all um, or the team that he worked with. But I feel that, you know, Nike is extremely protective of their IP as they should be as a company, right? Because right. that's what keeps companies companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think that when you're pushing quantity and both those guys are pushing quantity, 
And also there was an unclear line on what the leveraging of the existing Nike brand was. So it's a bit murky to say the least. Mm -hmm. So I, I get Nike's desire to want to protect their interests because I think for the Lil Nas X thing specifically, one, you could be, you could mistake it if you were just a casual um, fan that it was like an official Nike drop because, you know, there's, there's uh, production quality behind it. Right. There's also, uh, you know, visuals that are associated with a big superstar. Mm -hmm. So things look a little bit like, oh yeah, maybe that, maybe this is the swoosh doing it. Ward Lotus, though, was more of like a, uh, I think that was like a, a gut check to, to, to customizers. Yeah. I think the cool Kai thing, I, and again, I am not a lawyer either, so take everything with a grain of salt. I feel like the cool Kai thing is in that murky territory of like what, um, uh, what Bape was mm-hmm. at the time where it's easier to protect a logo and a brand, but a silhouette and the construction of a silhouette is kind of hard to protect from a legal standpoint. I don't really know why, mm-hmm. but I think it's because there's so many years of non-protection going on yeah. when it comes to a shoe construction. You know, so uh, it's not like Cool Kai leveraged the Nike logo. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I feel like, I feel like I'll if, about, yeah, I, I, okay. but I'm just saying like, you know, like in a person, like as a consumer, as a consumer, I, and what I'm looking for, I feel like the Cool Kais are missing a story, right? Like it, it's, it's missing a story. It's a story away from being like, okay, let me get it. Let me get it. Like, I get it, you know? It's a guy who, who, you know, he's turning something out of something because he's not it's not nothing at that at that point, because, you know, the right. silhouette itself is is what's holding on to what is what he's putting out. And then you have Warren Lotus, who is basically making a mockery of, I guess, I, oh, what, the dunks. Yeah, the dunks. And I love the dunks. So I wouldn't I don't think I would be like, yo, let me jump on that, too. So it's tough. It's tough because like the DIY craze has always been a, like i've been i love it and if there's a good story behind something i'm in it like i'm in right. so it's hard it's like you're you're just stuck between a rock and a hard place being like yo can i i can support somebody from a one-to-one basis right now or right. i can support a corporation and you're just like but if the designs are right maybe or or okay. is it just like yo let me just jump in because this is going to be the new craze you know what i mean for sure. You know, for me, I think what, what I'd like to respect when it comes to a customization space is the, uh, when the original designer acknowledges the canvas. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're saying like, oh, we're building on top of a Jordan 1, we're going to tell a story, but we're acknowledging the Jordan 1 or acknowledging the Air Force 1. So mm-hmm. you're not just acknowledging the history as well as the original designer and the original creative team, but you're also putting something on top of it and also personal artistry where it can see sweat equity. I think that that to me does feel like it's valid, and I and I do like that, which is kind of like the crux of what sneaker wars is, because you do provide the history mm-hmm. of what the pairs are, whether it's like a Yeezy through fifty V two or like the Jordan one, right? Yeah. Even a Croc, right? Yeah. Um, and we were pre Croc wave, by the way. Just FYI, on that. <laughs> you were first uh, on the Croc wave. Let's get it. First on the Croc wave. Uh, I don't know if that's something you're proud of, but the but, the, but I think that. What does cross the line for me is when you're getting into like overseas manufacturing in quantity, but leveraging a uh, pre-existing design 
but not acknowledging it. I don't know. It's, it's like a kind of a murky space, and I don't know if there is a real answer for it. You know. Yeah, I feel you. Well, as we jump down, uh, jump down. As we get to the the towards the end of the the podcast, I always ask everybody this question: What does the thrill of the hunt mean to you? Ooh, what does the thrill of the hunt mean to me? the The thrill of the hunt is it's different now because I mean, in theory, you could just buy any pair of shoes that you want um, mm-hmm. if you just have enough dough. So. That's like that hype doesn't really mean much to me. I think really it's about discovery. And something that I learned actually while I was at Nike was um, it, it changed my entire relationship with footwear, where like something that's like really hyped or something that's uh, like like the the biggest collab that kind of doesn't do much for me. What mm-hmm. actually does much for me is like did this push the envelope holistically of not just technology but like the storytelling. Um, I does this. Like, how do the colors relate to, like, what the season is? I know that's, like, more specific to, like, the organization. Also, do I know the person? Do I happen to know the team that worked on this? Mm -hmm. Like, that type of stuff, like, means a lot to me. Um, And I actually really like general releases. You know, I I just bought a pair of, like, $60 uh, Nike uh, Legacy, Court Legacies yesterday, you know? Yeah. Um, that are just you know straight up GRs. Mm-hmm. So like that that's it's less about the hunting and more of like what's the what's the undiscovered gem. I love walking into a, a um, an outlet store and just seeing like you know like those ripped open boxes, just mm-hmm. like finding like good stuff. So that that's kind of what the hunt is for me right now. Because at the end of the day, like you know a lot of hype beasts, you can just find like any old pair if you got dough for it. Yeah, exactly. I totally get. I totally get that. Uh, but let everybody know where to find you. For sure. So you can find me on social media at on Instagram, rich underscore tu, and also on Twitter. Uh, if you want to check out some of my work as a creative, mm-hmm. go to rich2.com. Um, let's see. If you want to get into plug space, check out Sneaker Wars on uh, MTV's uh, Wild and Out, actually Wild and Out's YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything else? Anything coming out? Um, no, I think that's about it. Find me on Clubhouse. And, the, and, and also the podcast. Push the podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. So First Generation Burden, um, available on all podcast platforms. And uh, yeah, we're, season six coming some point later in 2021. Can't wait for it. Yeah. Um, pleasure having you on, man. It was it was a great conversation. Like, uh, I loved it. I loved, I loved every second of it. I don't know why I'm talking like this, but, the, <laughs> but just to set myself up to say for everybody out there, don't forget to wear your kicks. Peace. Peace. <laughs>